You're listening to Pim Talk, the product marketing podcast, brought to you by InRiver. Welcome to PIM Talk, the podcast for product marketers, merchandisers, and PIM professionals. And every second Tuesday, we come together to share knowledge, experiences, and challenges to be able to create even better product stories. Maybe you're wondering what PIM is. PIM is a software that is all about managing all product marketing information in one place to create a rich customer experience in all channels and shorten time to market. And if you're new to PIM, check out our first episode, What is PIM? I'm your host, Thomas Schwabari. I'm the creative director at InRiver, and we want to do this podcast for you and with you. So please contact us and tell us what topics you would like us to cover, what guests you would like to have on the show, or maybe you want to contribute in any way. So you can email us at pimtalk at inriver.com or send a message on Twitter at pimtalkpodcast. So in this episode, we're going to talk about PIM and e-commerce, a quite common combo. And we're going to talk to a person uh, that works for a company that also have built standard integrations in between InRiver and one of the e-commerce solutions and talk a little bit about processes around that and, and benefits of, of using such a solution. So without further ado, let's start with the talk. So today I'm very happy to have Matt Wozniak from Luminos Labs here at PIM Talk. So welcome to the show, Matt. Thanks, Thomas. So um, before we start, could you tell uh, me a little bit about yourself? And I mean, I must say that the first question I have on my mind is, uh, are you in any way related to Steve? <laughs> That's a good question. I get that frequently. Um, the short answer is I wish. Um, maybe if I do like ancestry or, or some sort of DNA matching, I could find that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't think there's any way that, uh, I'm going to be able to get in on, uh, what I would hope to. Yeah. And the fact that I'm talking from a PC right now <laughs> also, uh, probably doesn't help the cause. Yeah. But it must be a really good name to have in the IT business being a Wozniak that, you know, stands for something. Oh, definitely. It's, it's nice. It's also nice that people can pronounce it and, uh, kind of have an understanding of it because, Growing up, it was a name that many people struggle with. <laughs> okay, so so so, what's your story? Um, what do you do now, and and how do you uh, come in this place? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm the head of client success at Luminous Labs. Um, basically, what that means is I work with our clients and our teams uh, internally to ensure we're staying focused on our client business goals, um, recognizing that. Anytime we're going into a project, anytime we're going into a technical project, um, there's an overarching business goal that we're trying to achieve. Um, so with that, I've been with Luminous for about a year and a half. Um, prior to that, my experience was more in traditional IT consulting. I actually was even in e-commerce before that, uh, went into IT consulting, realized I loved e-commerce, uh, came back to really specialize on that and kind of the whole digital experience. Yeah. And you mentioned e-commerce and... Uh... 
I know that that is one of the, the main things that you are working with at Luminos Labs uh, and you're one of our integration partners and we're going into more about how to integrate PIM with e-commerce. But uh, could you tell us a little bit about Luminos Labs as well, what you're doing? Yeah, so we're really focused on uh, helping our clients with anything digital, anything digital commerce. Um, we really... So how we do this, we focused on uh, some best of breed partners that we specialize. So obviously, we're, we're talking with InRiver. Uh, from a PIM side, we focus on InRiver. Uh, from a commerce and content side, we focus on EpiServer. So we're really focused on tying these together to provide the best possible user experience. Um, really across the board, um, focused on highly complex B2B, B2C, um, anything that involves complex integrations, distribution, retail, um, but tying it all together to that end customer and how all these systems work together for an actual uh, usable business function, um, not just getting bogged down in the technical details. Okay, so you, you cover both the, the technical part, but also the, the business part of, of, a, of an e-commerce project. Correct, yes. And that's, that's where, uh, where my role kind of ties back into it, is, is that business aspect and making sure uh, we're thinking of those things. Yeah. So, I mean, usually when we go out and talk about PIM, we talk that, you know, e-commerce has been one of the drivers of the need of PIM. But, I mean, f f from a... Um, you that are, are meeting many customers within e-commerce, some have PIM, some have may not have a PIM. Why makes it sense to to, uh, to, to work with PIM if you're an e-commerce business? Yeah, I, it's that's a really good question because a lot of that's customers ask that all the time. They're saying, you know, what? Why does this make sense? I'm going out there. Uh, a lot of them view it as a cost. Um, they view the e-commerce platform as a revenue generator. Uh, they view the PIM potentially save some on efficiency. Um, but really, it's they're so closely tied together in that a PIM helps drive your customer experience. Uh, that consistency of data, some of those rules, allowing the marketing team to really update their products and their their information uh, in a much faster, quicker environment that's a lot more user-friendly. Uh, they can do that in near real time, respond to market conditions and have a better overall user experience. So it's not... We don't really see them or I don't see them as really two separate things. I see them a lot more as this is a main driver behind the scenes that enables the team to really reach out and connect with the customer base. Yeah, because, you know, when you're looking in one of these different e-commerce systems and you look in the administration parts and where you can you can see your product catalog, you, you have an interface there where you can, you know, change the text or, or maybe upload an image or so. So what would you say? What is the big difference uh, between managing your products within an e-commerce system in their backend uh, compared to having a PIM like uh, InRiver, would you say? Yeah, I, I think in, in certain cases... Um, that can be done, but it, it gets to a threshold pretty quickly. Um, I know thinking of staff members who may be using the system or um, like with InRiver specifically, I like that there's the ability to have multiple team members involved in there. Uh, there's not a risk of locking down different information. So a merchandiser can really focus on what a merchandiser is focused on. Uh, they don't have to worry about potentially fudging other data or accidentally messing something up. Uh, InRiver allows those features and kind of that a workflow to ensure that the proper data is put in by the right person at the right time, uh, usually in a much more friendly UI for that person. A lot of times those people don't have as technical of a background, uh, so they can go in and say, 
all right, I need to solve this task or I put in this information. It's laid out nicely for them. It's operating in a system that they know and feel comfortable with because then they also know, hey, I'm not going to mess something up. I'm not actually going to accidentally going to overwrite something that's going to go live. Um, there are those checks in place that they can go in really enrich anything that they find or need to do and allow for that to be pushed out to the e-commerce channel. Hmm. And uh, how do you talk on a strategic level with with a, a company that that are looking at, at this as, as different investments? Um, what, what does a conversation like that look like? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Um, there are, I mentioned before, um, and typically clients will come and say, "Hey, you know, uh, the person who I may be talking to or really is interested in this initiative is saying, I know I need both a PIM." and an e-commerce platform. The problem is the board or the owner is saying, we need to make revenue. We need to make money on this as quickly as possible. So then their immediate thought is, well, we need a new e-commerce. We need this platform to jump ahead of everything. Uh, what we would typically say is, why don't, we do, why don't we do those in tandem? It's something that we're going to be changing a lot of processes anyway. Uh, we're going to be saving some efficiency by doing them at the same time because we're not going to have to integrate and reintegrate different systems at different times. So if we're going to be changing it and looking at it more as that approach of saying, yes, these things will change. Yes, these are big projects, but they are so heavily related that by tackling them together, you're able to look at and change the processes just once. Um, we've had so one of our clients uh, who we work closely with and, and kind of went through this was Living Spaces Furniture um, out in California in the West Coast of the U.S. where they said they we launched that new e-commerce system uh, and then there was some some more pain points that were uncovered. A lot of it, the team wanted to get in, wanted to use some of these features, these tools, a lot of the things I was just talking about. Uh, and then by enabling InRiver, uh, they were able to kind of alleviate that pain point but they were separated out. And a lot of times after the fact, they're saying, hey, I wish I would have done this together. We would have had a much more dramatic impact right away, uh, not had to have kind of two Band-Aids ripped off, but really just had one. Mm. And I mean, in, in the project like this, when you work with PM and I guess with e-commerce as well, I mean, there there is um, some questions that that's, uh, that's that you need to be able to have an answer to. Looking into to um, to all your information, where is what system is master of a certain type of information? How will the information go through the systems? Uh, what is the source of truth actually? And um, I mean, how do you work with customers around that? And what challenges uh, do you see? Yeah, this is another one uh, that comes up. And also I would say is, a, is value for a PIM. Um, a lot of companies will say, well, our source of truth is our ERP. Uh, the accounting team, that's where our financial data is. That's where we have this. Um, and they I mean, rightfully so, want to lock that down and say, we don't want updates here. Uh, and then the e-commerce channel, that group has its source of truth. What a PIM does and opens itself up for is allowing those content marketers, a the product uh, merchandising teams, to have their source of truth. To have a place where, yes, you have this basic, let's say, ERP data, um, the most basic kind of backbone of a company. This is what you need, but it's not really going to move the needle. It's not going to engage a customer base. So that team can use the PIM as really their source of truth, where they're going in, they're optimizing product data, and what they're seeing is enriched data, and they view it in that way. So that's where they go and update, and not worry about working in these other channels that may not be as relevant to what they're doing. All right. So the integration part, I, I mean, now 
you have your own internal infrastructure, you have your e-commerce, now you have a PIM where you want to be able to manage all your information. How, how much work is it to actually do the integration in between a PIM and an e-commerce system? Sure. Yeah, there's there's a lot there. Obviously, thinking about how those pieces tie together, um, we typically we, what we use is we have a connector um, that we tie together between InRiver and EpiServer. Um, those are the two main platforms we work with. We mentioned uh, I'd mentioned earlier we kind of operate on that best of breed and pick platforms and really specialize in those. Uh, so working with our clients and, and particularly um, a big one was Living Spaces and helping drive this. We realized, hey, there's this need for a reliable connector that can do real-time product enrichment changes, publish them to e-commerce, but not having to rely on a specific pre-configured schedule. Uh, the problem with that, the traditional approach of doing it was changes by a merchandising team would trigger potentially thousands of Ripple events that could pop up uh, in an e-commerce channel. So operating in a regular day, merchandising team wants to see it right away. Multiple people are working in there. They push it. Um, there could be some concerns with that. So really what we did is we put in a message broker to decouple um, both the InRiver and the EpiServer systems to handle that workload and throughput in an elastic and scalable fashion. Um, it generally allowed us to utilize and speed up EpiServer features and then also scale them to other existing client systems and processes once we had it in place. You're listening to PIM Talk, the product marketing podcast. And in a little while, we're going to continue to talk with Matt Wozniak about PIM and e-commerce. PIM stands for Product Information Management, and InRiver stands for PIM. Want to learn more about how your organization can benefit from PIM software? We've put together a free white paper where you can learn what you need to know about how your e-commerce platform can benefit from PIM. Go to www.pimtalk.com to download a free guide to help you better understand how PIM can work for you. That's www.pimtalk.com. I understand that there can be a lot of you know benefits of of having. Uh, sort of a standard connector. We, we are focusing a lot uh, on the return on investment uh, when it comes to, to PIM. And uh, I mean, not having to build everything from scratch, I understand can be a huge benefit and also benefit from, from you know, uh, solutions uh, that has been done and been tested with other customers and so on. But uh, both... Uh, in River and EpiServer is, you know, solutions where there come a lot of new functionality over the time, uh, uh, new updates and so on. So how do you keep up with, uh, with, you know, moving platforms, so to speak? Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. It's something where we typically, part of our whole approach and how we look at things is, is allowing for that growth uh, and changes to it. So we have specific teams uh, who are assigned to make sure we're staying ahead of that. Um, the connector is built in a way that, like I mentioned, it's decoupled from both. Uh, so there may be a tweak if something comes out where we make it to the connector. Uh, but typically, because of how we're utilizing it and how it's built, there's not really going to be... Um, we're not concerned about new features that come out unless there's a fundamental change to how 
the entire system is architected, that may obviously cause some issues as it would um, with other connectors as well. Um, but we'll, we're constantly keeping it up to date. We're refining it as we go. So it's not really a set piece. Uh, it's really just taking us most of the way there and recognizing, hey, we need to leave this uh, flexible because different clients have different business needs. They also, no, no two clients that I've ever seen have done things the exact same way, even if they're in the same industry, even if they're, if they're in the same geography, they have slightly different procedures in place uh, that they've gotten used to and want to have. So we have to allow for that sort of flexibility um, by using our connector in that way. Okay, I see. You mentioned customers. Could you tell tell us a little bit more about customers you have worked with uh, and um, yeah, experiences from those? Sure. Yeah. So um, a little little bit across the board. So um, I, I've mentioned living spaces a little bit as uh, something where they've really helped us. So something that the PIM was really important for uh, that InRiver was able to allow um, was their merchandising groups. Um, had and wanted some complex relationships between products. So you can imagine with furniture, there's a lot of different uh, variants available. Um, there could be some slight changes on this or that. So their merchandising teams wanted to allow for different swatch groups, individual swatches, product families, entity leaking, linking, um, really anything like that. So that's where a lot of what we did was born out of that. Um, we also have then, we've worked with some uh, regional retailers um, in the Northwest in the U.S. as well, so Coastal Farm and Ranch, uh, where for them it was they had never had an e-commerce uh, platform before, so it was really this big bang approach of saying, okay, how are we going to do this? We were taking something that was such a traditional uh, local feel, and it was ensuring this consistent product content. Uh, they hadn't really had a need because they didn't have e-commerce to track data in that same way of kind of remembering what that was like in those early e-commerce days. Um, another one that uh is phoenix outdoor so uh the fjall raven backpacks i know i don't say that right yeah could you say that again <laughs> fjall raven fjall raven yeah exactly do you do you know what it means i do not no it's the the mountain fox ah so that would explain the logo exactly so so it's a classic swedish backpack so uh, especially uh, you know when i was um, a kid and you didn't have all the harry potter backpacks and everything fjall raven was the you know the the standard one that, that everyone sort of had. And it's kind of funny, you know, seeing it almost like um, a little bit, uh, I don't know, uh, a cult hipster kind of, you know. It is all over. <laughs> yeah. I, I always talk about when going to uh, like most people. So talking in the US, I talk to people and they say, you know, I'm not familiar. And then I bring up the logo and I'm like, you know, it's on the backpacks. It's this logo. And they're all like, oh, yes, my teenager has that. Or yeah. I saw that in the airport earlier. It is it like over the US, it's everywhere. But you, you're doing work for, for, for them as well. Is that also PIM and e-commerce? Yes. Or? Yep. So that was uh, the same, same path for that. So a lot of times um, how they come up is finding EpiServer uh, from a commerce perspective and then saying and recognizing this need for a PIM. Uh, and a really, it's a, a big piece of it is that flexibility that we have. Um, being able to kind of bend a little bit and saying, okay, we need to tweak this for your business rule. We can still utilize our connector, um, but there is a little bit difference or nuance here. Uh, so Phoenix having multiple brands uh, like Fjallraven and having those and being able to scale those up. Um, another one actually um, where I'm at now, I'm, I'm on site leading uh, the discovery for uh, 
heritage landscape and supply. So a different industry, we're going more into B2B distributors, um, but having those same discussions where they have multiple brands, they have some shared products across these brands, and they need to rapidly scale those up and look at how those are going to be managed. So they've recognized, hey, we're not going to have a ton of people across all of these. A PIM is really going to help us uh, utilize this and, and keep that more efficient on our side. Mm, yeah. So I, I mentioned before that, that we're doing a lot of pieces around um, ROI and so on. So uh, do you keep track of any success metrics or so on your customers or, or you know what they are gaining from the solutions that, uh, that you provide? Yeah, it's something that uh, I would say a lot of times traditionally with PIM, as we talked about, people are saying, well, you know, how do, how do you have success metrics? Like, what do you measure? Um, for us, like I had mentioned, trying to keep it more business focused. Um, we have seen some uptick from the e-commerce channel and from that site um, with multiple brands that we've released. Um, we've like Living Spaces, for example, um, had significant growth um, of, across all channels, revenue, uh, mobile, order value, conversion rate, all of those increased um, from there uh, as a PIM of part of it. Uh, so not really going into particulars in terms of what they have um, or what their numbers were, uh, because that's kind of their data, their their uh, their proper controlling of it. But more saying like there was there's been some substantial growth once they were able to really enable those teams and and open up that the floodgates for that. Yeah. So so I was a bit curious about what kind of KPIs that you might be looking at when you want to measure your success. Yeah, we're very. It's I'm I'm all very tied to the business, like I, I talked about a few times. Um, so trying to keep it bottom line focused and saying, you know, what's the what are the real uh, benefits we can see from this? How can I track and better understand some some potential revenue growth? What does that look like? And we attribute a lot of that to uh, enabling teams to kind of better connect with their customers um, and have some more of that speed respond to the market a lot faster, um, put more promotions out quicker, more efficiently, test them and utilize a PIM for that product data on the back end to drive those. So you mentioned before that you have customers both within the B2B space and the B2C uh, space. So what differs, would you say, with those solutions, uh, if you see the PIM and the e-commerce and and what the solution looks like that, that you're providing? Sure. Yeah. So from, I would say, obviously, I, we hear it all the time being in this space. Uh, everyone talks about the difference in B, B2B, B2C, uh, how closely related they are, how different they are. Um, really, what we see typically in the B2B space is the customer has been around a lot longer. They have uh, some some systems in place that are there for very good reasons um, that they know they can't change, they can't touch. Uh, so there may be some more complex integrations there. The B2C space, like thinking of retail, how quickly something can spin up and spin down. Um, I've mentioned Heritage. Uh, the the brand that we're with today has been in business for over 100 years. Uh, so obviously, some they've had to change coming with the times and now looking at a PIM for the first time. So we're talking about things that in the B2C space may be very typical and simple. Um, but here we're talking about something where uh, pallet size, for example. So if you're getting something delivered on a pallet, that's really important to a B2B customer. They want to know that. So mm. tracking that and having allowing for consistency across these different product lines is a whole new area that we have to consider. Okay. Because a pallet of one particular material um, may be this this size or this 
But then if they're distributor, uh, they're selling all different types that may go into individual items and how does that look um, and how is that data reflected and then portrayed in, on an e-commerce site and taking into account those different I pieces that really need to be there, but also would be displayed and very different across um, a whole company's offering. So is there something that you really would uh, recommend people not to do? Yes. Anytime that something seems like, hey, we're going we're gonna to put this aside for now, uh, we're going to come back to it. Or let's build out the functionality to allow us to capture this data, but it's going to be too hard for us to try to get this and then rely on, let's say, launching an e-commerce site from a very marketing-focused, heavy, lots of visibility into that. Um, companies will say, okay, we'll take a shortcut here. We'll address this now. We'll launch the site, and then we're going to come back and fix it. You're never going to do that. Yes. Right. The problem with that is the business will say, hey, we launched it. We're great. The CFO is going to say the project's done. We have it in place. And now those back-end systems that you just created shortcuts for become your business processes that we, we come into 10 years later and say, why are you guys doing it this way? And people are saying, uh, mm. I don't know, but that's just the way we do it. And then you start to uncover and unravel, oh, there was a decision made 10 years ago yeah. that to push this quickly and everyone forgot about it and it just became a painful existence that everyone had to live with. Yeah. Um, so I think being aware of those, I'm not saying that those should never be the case, um, but making sure you're aware of those trade-offs as you're thinking of those things. Yeah, thanks. I think that's a good... Good advice. Um, besides that, I mean, I, I think we are reaching the the end of the the talk here. Do you have any final words or things that you would like to end with? Yeah, I think uh, overall, like if you feel like we can help with anything at Luminos, definitely reach out to me. Um, let me know. Um, I guess my final thought in terms of considering a PIM, what this is all about. Um, if you're not considering a PIM, no matter how many product SKUs you have. Uh, it's something where it really will impact your overall business. It's not tied to product SKUs. It's really tied to business process. So if you're not considering it, you're missing out on potential for not only a better online experience for your end customers, uh, but also you're alleviating a lot of pain points and headaches for your internal team. Um, so by doing that, you're taking those into account. Um, it's something to at least consider and look at for your business um, because it will help make things a lot easier and better overall. Good. So, so thank you, Matt. Thank you for being on the show and thank you for being a part of the Enriver community with Luminos. Uh, I mean, also uh, putting these great solutions on the market um, to be able to connect your PM and your e-commerce and so on. So, um, Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks a lot for having me, Thomas. Yeah. See you around. Well, having talking about e-commerce, there are exhibitions and, and other things coming up. And in Sweden, uh, on March 5th, we have D-Congress 2020 in Gothenburg. So you can meet us there. You can also meet us at Global Link Next in uh, Amsterdam in March 11th and 12th. And we're going to Las Vegas for Magento Imagine on March 29th through April 2nd. But what we all are waiting for is the big event of the year, the Pinpoint Summit 2020 in Malmö, Sweden, April 1st and 2nd. It's going to be amazing. I hope to see you there. We're going to have 
number of full days with a lot of keynotes, workshops, activities, parties, awards, everything. And also the night before Pinpoint, we're going to have our second hackathon ever. So if you're a developer or coder, uh, prepare. It's going to be exciting. Uh, we're going to do it a little bit different this year. So the night before, when you come there, you won't know anything about what we're going to do or what environment you're going to work in. You will get everything there in place and you will have four hours to create something amazing based on the River Proud Marketing Cloud. So I'm looking forward to that as well. But there is life after Pinpoint as well. The uh, B2B online in Chicago on April 20th, 22nd. The IRCE, the big one in June 9th through 11th as well in Chicago. So um, a lot of interesting events coming further on here. Another thing that is also coming up is trainings. So we have business consultant and developer trainings in Amsterdam on March 11th and 12th. Uh, we have business consultant training and developer training in Chicago on February 18th and 19th. Uh, in Malmö, there is uh, training in April 22nd to 23rd. And uh, we also have user trainings coming up. We have in Chicago on March 11th and 12th. And well, that's the ones that are scheduled for the moment. And also, if you want to join any of the certification courses, uh, first you have to go through a preparatory course that is available online. Thank you for listening. For feedback, tips and questions, you can email us at pimtalk at inriver.com or message us at pimtalkpodcast at Twitter. Please, if you like the show, go into iTunes and give us a good review. And if you would like to see some behind-the-scenes material, bloopers and live streams, you can follow Pim Talk on Instagram. See you again in two weeks. Bye.